Hello and welcome, citizens of Dark Rose City. You have arrived at episode 28 of Dark Rose Comics Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry E., and I'm joined by my co-host... Victor Young. If you are new to the show, this is a podcast where two nerdy guys brew themselves a nice hot cup of coffee, and then we sit down to break down, analyze, and discuss some of our favorite comic books. The coffee that we'll be brewing today is called Real Brillante Canario. There you go. Did you I get it? it? You got it. I got it. All right, cool. It's Probably, roasted by... I don't know. Huh? Probably, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, it's roasted by Cattell Coffee, and the comics we'll be discussing today are Batman 55, Justice League 8, Venom 6, and Batman Dam number 1. It is going to be a big week, so we're going to try to keep things brief so we can get right to the comics. Uh, if you like this show... Please hit the subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And alongside with hitting that subscribe button, let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review and a rating and uh, spread the word about our podcast. Okay, so before we get into our coffee, uh, <laughs> let's catch up on the week a little bit. How have you been, Victor? Good, good, good. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you didn't ask me what I was up to this week. I said, Jared. how are you doing? You just asked how I was doing. You need to be more specific. You know, don't... don't do- what, what have you been up to? Thanks. What have you been up to? You know what? That's a better question, Jerry. Ah, um, yeah. I've been watching uh, John Krasinski's uh, new show on Amazon Prime, Jack Ryan. Mm. Oh, it's a, it's a good show. That's a real good show. When did he become an action star? When did, when did he become <laughs> just this primetime action star? He did that um, that military movie, right? Um, I forgot what it was called, but he got jacked for that. Yeah. So, because I, I don't, because I don't know. Like every time I watch the show, I'm still expecting him to like turn to the camera, and then just do that that good old gym the gym look. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's he's really good in that show. I think it's called Thirteen Hours. Where he did uh, Thirteen Hours. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's when he like got really jacked. Yeah, he's he's just more of a serious actor now. Yeah, Ser- he, I mean he was always a serious actor, but now he's like a serious actor. Now he's a serious actor. But no, that's a that's a real good show. It's a real good show. Um, it, it I do like the way that um, that they're fair about uh, the portrayal of 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 the Middle East, right? Because I mean, they're victims too. Right, mm-hmm. so they they don't just portray them to be the the all time bad guys. Right, so it, it's it's a very fair portrayal, um, and it's a really um, action packed and dramatic show. So I would definitely recommend that for anybody to okay. go check out. I'd probably go check it out. I'd probably go you check should it check out. it out because over the weekend we watched. Well, you've already watched this, so I guess I've watched the first four episodes. I still have another six to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, over the weekend, we watched uh, Quiet Place. Yes. So. That was a good movie. I mean, after yeah. that performance, I, I got to go check this show I out. I can't believe you haven't seen it up until this point. Yeah, we, do, we haven't been hitting the theaters as much. We've just been true, uh, holding true, back on those. True. You know what? That's that's not always a bad thing. You know? Yeah. You, you know, enjoy the... Go to the theaters for the movies that really matter. Because then it's special. Right? Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see Quiet Place in the theaters. It though. was fantastic it in was, the theaters. Because I can just imagine the atmosphere in the theater. Oh, it was tense, man. Yeah. It was real tense. Yeah. We were almost as quiet as them in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would hope so. Yeah. Would, yeah in, in any movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> what about you, man? What have you been up to this week? Well, we watched the, A Quiet Place. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Aside from that. Aside, yeah. Um, I don't know. Just uh, a lot of video games. Just uh, We right. actually, my wife and I picked up 
Divinity. Okay. Divinity Original Sin on yeah. PS4. It was on sale. Very original. It was, yeah. Yeah, very original. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first game, not the second one. The second oh. one came out. But so we got the first game. So we're playing it and it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. It's very much that like old school RPG. Right. Kind of like Baldur's Gate type of thing. So we're playing that. Kind of like... Uh... What's that? Uh, RuneScape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But, well, RuneScape's an MMO, right? What was RuneScape an MMO? I don't remember. But, yeah, it's very much like that. You you, you control a character and you can have people people in the party and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then you just, uh, when you get into a fight, everything's like turn-based. And then you yeah. have like initiative points and action points and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so it... It's pretty cool that way, and then there's a lot of little things that you can do that changes how the city is or changes like the outcome of certain things. Right. So everything's very open, mm-hmm. and they don't hold your hand at all. Like you get into the game and you just you're in the game, and that's it. Yeah. So the the learning curve at the beginning is a little high because you don't really know what you're doing. Right. Eventually, it starts to pick up, and then it starts to 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 give you a little bit more of a nugget at a time. Right. And then. You can just progress a little better that way. Okay, okay. At the beginning, it was it was rough. We, uh-huh. I think we, I think we got like four hours in, and then we realized we complete, oh. and then we had to restart. Oh, because we're just like this. This is crazy. We can't keep going in this route, that's we, or else we can't finish that quest. Right. Yeah. So we had to restart. But, oh, that's okay. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's a learning process. Of course, yeah, everything's yeah. a learning process, Jerry. Gotta think about it that way. Yeah, such yeah, such is life. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we get all introspective, uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's go go ahead and brew that coffee. We'll come back and talk about some comics. Let's do it. And we're at the comic segment. And in this segment, what we do is we take some newly released comics and we discuss about them. We break them down. We analyze them. We take a couple of books every week and. Uh, Talks amongst ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, okay, so the first book we're going to start with is Batman number 55. But before we get into comics, actually, Victor, why don't you introduce us the coffee, though? I thought you were it. just going to bypass that. I was. <laughs> I know. I was kept, gonna, you on, kept you on edge. It's going to be in my feelings. Um, <laughs> so today's coffee, as uh, Jerry had mentioned uh, earlier this episode, is named Rio Brillante Canario. Uh, See, I pronounced it way better than I did. Well, it could very much, could very well still be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's brewed in a in the region of Brazil uh, named Coromandel Cerrado Minério. Uh, hopefully, I pronounced that right too. <laughs> and it's been roasted by Ketel Coffee out in uh, Montreal, Quebec. So our good old neighbors of the east. Wow, this guy got really fancy with that, with that naming. What? Montreal. People in Montreal would be like, my goodness. <laughs> They'd be like, we don't talk this we don't, we don't. We speak English too. <laughs> <laughs> Something's better than us. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the first book we're going to tackle today is Batman number 55. It's written by Tom King with art by Tony S. Daniel on pencil, Danny Mickey on ink, Tomu Mori for colors, and Clayton Cowell to do the lettering. So before we get into any comics, quick spoiler alert due to the nature of the show and the fact that we need to break down some of the the things that are happening in the book. In order for us to do that, there's going to be some spoilers. So you've been warned. If you have not read the book, and trust me, there is a huge spoiler in this book in particular. 
I mean, every book has a spoiler, so just yeah, but this spoiler is, warning for all four. Yeah, spoiler <laughs> warning, warning for all four books. But this book in particular, if you have not read it, you do not want to hear us talk about it right now because it will be spoiled. Hit up your LCS, grab a copy, or hit up Comixology, whichever one you're, you know, it's more convenient for you. Pick up the book, read it, and then we'll go from there. Come back and listen to us after that. Okay, so Batman 55. What are your initial thoughts, Victor? Um, I know we discussed a, a bit about it earlier, uh, and you mentioned it was more of like a like a prelude issue. Uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, there wasn't much going on, but whatever was going on in the issue was significant, right? Um, we had uh, a character come in, KG Beast, which uh, you told me was the name. I had no idea. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And that guy's just a straight killer. Like yeah. he, like he was very impressive in in this issue. Very impressive. Um, and it was sad that he did what he did at the end of the issue because this was when Batman was starting to recover a bit uh, from issue fifty. It took him five issues to recover. Uh, <laughs> so. <coughs> Uh, a, a bit of a shocker, but again, it's a prelude issue, so we're, we'll see where it goes moving forward. But it was a good one, very good one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those issues where I think the more important part of it is the actual structure and the pacing of the book itself. Right. Um, it, it's a very it's pretty straightforward story. You know, if you look at it just on its surface level. Mm-hmm. The, the book itself is Batman and Nightwing going on out, going out on patrol because mm-hmm. now that Nightwing is staying in Gotham for a little bit, yeah. they decide to go on patrols. So they sort of had that back and forth banter going on and mm-hmm. Nightwing always trying to be more, you know, trying to be more lighthearted and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And with Batman just initially kind of just shooting him down. Mm-hmm. Um, especially there was that one panel. <laughs> yeah. Um, is, are you ready to have some fun? No, no, <laughs> and but it's that little bit of interaction between them that is is starting to bring Batman back out into the light again. Yeah, and you can see the progression of their dialogue as well throughout the issue. But lingering in the background, you have the story development for KG Beast. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is the way the story pans out and the way that they design the panels, and I think. Tony Daniel does, you know, does a really good job here with trying to lay out how it is he's telling the pace of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see with the panel work on pretty much the Batman and Nightwing stuff being more full page stuff, you know, full page, double page spreads and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And then when you get down to KG Beast's stuff, you you you're at the point where it's like we're down to like the nine panel grids yeah the very structured storytelling the very small grids and stuff like that and it's it 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 slows down the pacing of the book to that and it creates this sort of eerie feeling in the background well that yeah i mean that that tells the story of kg beast for us yes he doesn't have to say a single word and we know based on the pacing what he's capable of right because as, as you read the issue um like they they purposely did it in a way where 
the the panels had a lot of things going on in the background of KGB, mm-hmm. right? Um, but he, what's the what's the right way to say it? Like it doesn't it doesn't affect him, and it doesn't affect what he's about to do in 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 this issue moving forward, right? But at the same time, it also tells the reverse story where he's also in the background for the people in his background. If that makes sense, like he blends right. okay. in, yeah very well with his surroundings in the sense that you never see him coming right Mm -hmm. you never ever see him coming and i think that was what was so impressive for me about about kgb in this issue yeah for sure and i I just it's so masterfully done and he doesn't need to you, you see like little subtleties with what he's trying to do yeah and everything is sort of already pre-planned yeah and that there's this and as the series well not the series as the book gets progressively lighter mm-hmm. in tone they get to a point where these guys are getting lighter in tone and KGBs mm-hmm. is getting, getting darker darker yeah and getting closer to his end goal mm-hmm. right <coughs> I know I just started choking up Oh boy. Yeah. So he gets closer <laughs> and closer to his end goal and you just know that something is going to happen at the yeah. end and it's yeah. building towards that climax, mm-hmm. but it's building towards it from two sides of the spectrum yeah. in terms of pacing, right? Um so I think that's really well done. And in this issue in particular, um Batman because of what was happening uh with his life goes back to the outfit he had in Batman Hush. Mhm. Uh, so he like bringing the the black trunks back and stuff like that. Like he's sort of reverting back to uh, a different Batman from before, mm-hmm. right? So I think that was pretty interesting too. Mm-hmm. A cool little nod. Mm-hmm. <coughs> now, in regards to uh, what happens uh, at the end of the issue, so spoiler warning again: uh, when Dick gets uh, Dick Grayson gets shot in the head. Yes. Um, I, I what I found odd was that after all these years, Batman never thought that that was a possibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you know you go to the same spot every time you meet up with the commissioner. It's pretty. It's pretty obvious where the spot is, right? Because you, the, the light, the spotlight, the spotlight is. will tell you where it is. Yeah. So I, I just find it interesting that after all the year, all these years, he never thought that it was a possibility that that could happen. Yeah, because it just happens, right? So, um, that's that that seems a little out of character for me, because Batman knows people want to hurt him and want to hurt the people that are close to him. Mm-hmm. So, being exposed on a rooftop like that would, to me, would be the first thing I would think of. But yeah, but uh, but again, like it just goes to show how. Uh, methodical KGB was in his ways mm-hmm. right because obviously that hadn't happened up ever to Batman up until this point so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah it's interesting that it you know it's good that you brought it up because it's interesting that they've never they've never full on I think introduced the idea that hey maybe this is not the safest thing to do yeah. um, especially because as Batman gets more and more Allies mm-hmm. that are maybe not as cunning as he is. Yeah. Right? That maybe more exposed to that stuff. Yeah. So 
it's just it yeah it, it's a it's a weird little comic thing I think that that nobody really goes and explores mm-hmm. because it, you know they don't really it's kind of a given mm-hmm. but it's cool that it's used in full effect here mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I also found it interesting that after all these years Batman's the only one that wears like a bulletproof helmet <laughs> oh <laughs> with his cow yeah because if it, if it was if it was Batman that the bullet shot. bullet would have hurt but I don't think it would have would have went through no 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 it wouldn't no but uh, Nightwing decides yeah I don't need that <laughs> <laughs> I mean I fight criminals with guns all the time but I don't need that yeah it's not something it's not something he's looking for you know no no yeah uh, so I mean those are just little things that'll right? cover just, up his free flowing hair that's oh yeah his his uh, his Chris Hemsworth hair going on there <laughs> uh, but again these are just little things that we're picking on Right, it has that have nothing to do with the story, <laughs> but it just I, I just found it interesting. Yeah. Um, so I I hope that. I mean, it's I think it's it's almost certain that Dick Grayson will be okay. Um, well, from the solicits, for yeah, the future issues and stuff from here and from Nightwing and yeah. stuff like that. I think he's he's fine. Yeah, but things are going to change. Like things are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And again, this is just another turning point for... This is going to be another turning point for Batman. Mm-hmm. Because now he's had two, two and a half um, quote-unquote tragic things that have happened to him within the past five issues. Yes. Right? So now, just like you said, something's going to change, uh, at least with Batman himself moving forward because of this particular incident right mm-hmm. and it's in this issue they actually talked about it that this was the anniversary of the end of war of jokes and riddles yeah so that was something that really that event was something that really changed batman as a person mm-hmm. right and to have this now fall on the anniversary of that is yeah. sort of just throwing tragedy on tragedy mm-hmm and it's really going and this is also something that's going to change Batman as a character yeah right because in the War of Jokes and Riddles story he was shown to almost cross the line mm-hmm. right he was he was willing to cross the line to put an end to the war mm-hmm. right because so many people you know have suffered in that in that war between mm-hmm. the Riddler and Joker yeah and in this case this here is something that is going to pretty much haunt him as well because this was his first protege right yeah um, basically someone who's a son to him and we saw from the previous issue as well uh, sort of the strong father-son relationship that they have so yeah. to have this tragedy fall on that anniversary is going to really alter Batman's character I think yeah and I believe this was most likely planned from the beginning oh for sure in terms of it's most likely something that's planned by Bane hmm because I think Bane is still out there messing with him, mm-hmm. right? And he's going to continue to mess with him. Same thing with uh, with what happened at the end of the wedding, saying that basically, uh, you know, Selena Kyle's friend, I forgot her name. What was her name? I forgot her name. She was messing with... With Batman. With, well, with Selena Kyle. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. then that sort of got her to like question things and change her mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel like this is just another step in that mm-hmm. another step in something that Bane is trying to do 
to break the Batman. Yeah. Because I think Bane understands that it's not, he's not going to just physically break him down. He's going to mentally break him down mm-hmm. so that he can catch him at his weakest point. So Now here's the thing, like when, when Batman eventually gets them all, it's going to be a bad time for them. <laughs> Especially after all these things that that they've done to him. Yeah. And this is just the beginning, right? Like, I'm assuming this this particular arc is going to stretch quite a bit of issues. Yeah, for sure. So by the end of it, after all the stuff that's going to happen to Batman, these guys, these guys are going to get it, man. <laughs> they're going to get it. Yeah, they're going to... <laughs> it's going to be a bad time. Gonna, oh, for sure. It's going to be it's bad news be a... bears, for sure. <laughs> bad news bears. For Bane. For Bane, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... Yeah, I, I just think it's really, it's really well done that they're constantly there's sort of that constant background threat in this in this issue. It was the background threat of KG Beast, mm-hmm. but there's also that lingering background of Bane. Like, what if this was part of Bane's plan? What if this is just a step in the bigger picture and stuff like that? So, it's also interesting. I mean, now it's also puts into question what do the other villains have planned for Batman now as well? Because now they're, they were all like that one cohesive group at the end. When they were was, all, yeah, yeah, they were all gathered together. So now it's just like, oh, what's, well, what's Gotham Girl going to do? Yeah. What's, uh, I think Penguin was in there too, right? What's Penguin going to do, right? Not that he could do very much. Like but they, they all have a hand in something. Yeah, exactly. So now it's just like, now are they all planning one big thing to really mess with him? Like, it puts a lot of things into question now that we're starting to see really see things in motion uh, mm-hmm. for, for what they have planned, right? And I'm also wondering if this is like the first step in them tearing apart the family. Yeah. Right? And they, they go after Nightwing first and then they start picking off everybody else. But but it's the family, bro. <clears throat> Can never tear it apart. Well, it was close. They were close. I, they were in, close in... Uh, uh, Death of the Family. Death of the Family, yeah. yeah. They were close. And they technically did because the way they tore them apart was through trust, right? Yeah. And that's how Joker did it. But that's like okay. I think because something like that can happen, I feel like with all those villains combining together, they they can figure something out here. Yeah, but I mean, if you can survive death of the family, you can really survive <laughs> anything. To be honest, yeah, yeah <laughs> that yeah. was just the most absolutely brutal arc I've ever <laughs> I've ever read. I it, think- I think it was the most brutal arc, and still surprised that nobody came out like dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that would... I still think in terms of just pure, like, Joker psychosis, mm-hmm. I think I think killing Joke is still... might be number one for me. Oh, yeah? Just the way that he just... Because he got Batman across the line in that one, I'm pretty sure. Well, I mean, it's, it's hinted. It's hinted, it's hinted at the end he did it, yeah. But, but I mean, just the way that... He screwed up Commissioner Gordon just come in, in like the, the short amount of time that he had him. Yeah. Just yeah. like wow. Brutal. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. Yeah. But um but yeah, again, we'll we'll have to see where um we'll have to see what uh this Gotham Legion of Doom <laughs> has in store for the bat. Yeah. And it's one last thing to sort of cap it off. Yeah. I feel like it's it's interesting that they're bringing that they brought Dick Grayson into the story mm-hmm. because I, I find that a lot of those characters have now moved on from Gotham. Yeah. Right? They, they've sort of moved on from being in Gotham. They're off doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. 
it's interesting that they bring him back and then two issues later well an issue later shot in the head yeah and it's almost like no matter what Batman does to try to train the people in the family mm-hmm. they I don't think they're because they, they haven't gone through that sort of tragedy in a sense with Batman like yeah. the way that Batman went through it yeah. Dick Grayson being the closest example but yeah. <clears throat> I don't think they're ever going to be built to survive in Gotham no especially yeah because uh, Nightwing probably would have been I mean is the next closest thing to Batman Mm -hmm. right in terms of everybody within the family right he is the next closest thing to Batman after he's gone everybody else is much easier to break Mm -hmm. much easier to break right like um the only person you probably can't break is Damien. Yeah, but because that but, kid is but, way too. But dark. they can manipulate him. Yeah. That's the whole thing. He's easy to manipulate just because he's so he's such a proud character, mm-hmm. right? Like he's very, he's very proud and is a very egotistical character. And that was always um, Damien's downfall as a as a as a character. Yeah, right. And that's why everybody was so easily able to get into his head all the time. On top of that, he's just a kid. Right, I mean, you could you could spin it any way you want. He's just a kid, right? yeah. and 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 because of that one reason, he's always going to be easy, easy to to mess with, easy to trigger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so it'll be interesting to see where this where the story goes. Uh, this also leads into, I guess, it's going to be a book that we'll be discussing next week as well. Uh, Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, it's the the new event book. Uh, seven, I think it's a seven issue mini mm-hmm. by Tom King and Clay Mann. Mm-hmm. I I believe this is going to spin directly into that. What a uh, team! Because that yeah. that story talks about what happens when something happens in the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. That now they have to go investigate a, a murder mystery in sanctuary, mm-hmm. where it's supposed to be somewhere that they can find peace. Yeah, right, or somewhere where they can find help, where superheroes yeah. can find help. Yeah. Um. So this, I think, directly is sort of the prequel to that. And it'll be really interesting to see that happen like, uh, because that event will be really cool. It's going to be like the Nancy Drew Mysteries of DC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. They bring, in Nan- they bring in the real Nancy Drew. What's going on right now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion on Batman 55. So we're going to go into our second book. It's Justice League number eight. It's written by James Tiny and the fourth with art by... Mikhail Hanin, I believe that's how you say it. Mikhail yeah. Hanin. Yeah. Colors by Jeremy Cox and letters by Tom Napolitano. Oh man, Vin Diesel's back. <laughs> he's really itching to get on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just always there. Him and Clayton Cows, they're just they letter everything. I feel like. Oh yeah. So Vin Diesel and Clayton Cows. <laughs> <laughs> so Justice League number eight is it's a book that. It's kind of an epilogue to the to the end of the totality arc. Yeah. So now it's them talking about <clears throat> because we get that reveal at the end of issue number seven, mm-hmm. where we find that Luther actually has the Batman who laughs in captive. Yeah. So in this issue, we see that they they actually like they get into an interaction here. Yeah. They talk about what it is they're trying to achieve mm-hmm. and they're trying to come into a common 
sort of common ground mm-hmm. for the both of them. Um, and I think there's a point that it gets missed after the Dark Knight's Metal series where they talk about, you know, the different Batmans and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But after that, I feel like the point is kind of missed with the fact that in in the Batman Who Laughs, he's actually very much still Batman. Batman, yeah. Right? He's not like the other ones. Exactly. Where they've <coughs> taken more of a transformative measure, mm-hmm. right, to, to become who they were. Um, he's very much, just, he's the closest to Batman, to our Batman, than the rest of the Dark Knights. Mm-hmm right except this is a batman with his values completely skewed mm-hmm. right and it's a batman very much bent on doing something something else something evil right mm-hmm. but with this batman in particular because yeah like you said the other ones they're they're very much more of a transformative way to get to where they're trying to be mm-hmm. he was just infected by the toxin mm-hmm. so he's very much batman just now turned 180 mm-hmm. right but he's still got the same cunning the, the same planning and strategies and everything as Batman, right? Mm-hmm. So it's made clear in this issue too that he he kind of already figured out, he already knows how to get out of it. He just chooses to be there because he believes that that Luther has it all wrong, but mm-hmm. Luther can get it right, mm-hmm. right? And he's, he's trying to be there to help Luther get it right. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Batman's, the, what Batman Who Laughs, what his end goal is mm-hmm. but I think it's very clear that he's only doing this because he's going to advance his own agenda yes and and it's funny because either Luther knows this but he's willing to let it go anyway or he thinks he can still beat um, the Batman who laughs which he can't uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody can I don't think anybody can uh, or he's he just wants the totality so bad that he doesn't care about the consequences of what happens afterwards. Right. Um, now, when he says that a, a, a bat is still a bat, there's multiple ways that you can sort of look at it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I was just thinking about this too. The, the first way, of course, is, you know, he's always going to be one step ahead of you. There's, there's that... that that basic line right but the other thing that i've been sort of thinking about as well is if a bat is still a bat that means that he's still willing to fight some form of fight for some form of justice in some way okay because that that is what defines batman is justice right so right so does that mean that perhaps Maybe small off chance that uh, the Batman who laughs is actually tricking Joker into uh, tricking Luther. Tri- sorry, tricking Luther. Sorry, tricking Luther into uh, screwing up. So then, I don't know. I, I, don't I mean, know. it's it's it's. I mean, it's a far stretch because this bat is so far gone that it would be hard to imagine that he's doing doing things for anything other than his own agenda but again if a bat is still a bat then he's gonna find a way to fulfill some form of justice 
in my opinion right so i don't know just an off thought i suppose right yeah and, um, <clears throat> i think the idea of of him being a bat is still a bat mm-hmm. it's for me it's not so much that he's fighting for justice i think right. for me is the fact that he's still a symbol of fear right and the idea of Bruce Wayne donning the bat costume mm-hmm. is that he wanted to use the bat symbol mm-hmm. and like you know he wanted to use Batman as a way to instill fear on his enemies right right so I think in this sense for me when he says a bat is still a bat mm-hmm. he is still the king of fear he right. is still the symbol of fear that he's going to strike into his enemies so mm-hmm. I, I do believe that in his eyes, Luther is still an enemy. Mm-hmm. And I think for him, pushing Luther towards that agenda could mean that either uh, Batman Who Laughs already know what's going to happen mm-hmm. or he's pushing him towards it so that when he finally gets there, he can come in and swoop it. Right. Right? But I think he's still going to ultimately be an enemy to the Legion of Doom because... Right he is still going to be the one at the very top instilling fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere but, between what you said and I said. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I don't think he's... Because I don't think he's going to... I don't like he's think not he's going to fight himself for with the, Yeah, he's not going to ally himself with the League, but... Exactly. Um, he's going to ultimately be the guy at the top yeah, that both but, of these guys yeah, now have. But he's definitely not necessarily going to ally himself with the Legion of Doom, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's 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 probably the more fair point to make. Yeah. So, but it's just it's such an interesting conversation between between. I'm just gonna say laughs. Yeah. Just to shorten his name. Yeah. Between laughs and Luther, because it's really them engaging in this power play. Yeah. Between the both of them, because Luther believes he's the smartest man. Yeah. Right. But he knows that he probably can't outsmart a Batman. Yeah, and laughs is very much a Batman. Yeah, and it's just seeing them go back and forth. It was was really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely liked that uh, that dialogue between the both of them. Yeah, it was very much a power play conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like uh, basically everyone was trying to get as much out of each other as possible, and you, it was very clear from the beginning. Like, it was more, it was more of a negotiation more than anything. Uh, that that was going on, um, which I actually enjoyed that that back and forth. I really did. Mm-hmm. It's not very often you see full page full pages of just negotiating, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So anybody working in sales, this is this is the issue for you to read and maybe pick up a couple of things to brush up on your sales skills. <laughs> <laughs> so in this issue, they also reveal that. The totality is actually an entity. Yeah. Right? They reveal yeah. that it's actually a her. It's an, yeah. it's an entity on its own. Yeah. And her name is Perpetua. Mm-hmm. So what what do you make of the reveal? I don't know. There really isn't enough information given within this issue to really make any ways of it. Right? Uh, but the name Perpetua... Mm-hmm obviously is a is derivative of perpetual right Mm -hmm. so 
what what that means i don't know but uh but she's a constant for something right and um i think in due time we'll figure out what she's a constant for mm-hmm. right uh because obviously there was the name wasn't just random so we'll we'll see um what they make of it right mm-hmm. what about you like any what are your thoughts on on the on perpetua it's it's interesting because because I think there's an actual relation and there's an actual significance to the name Perpetua. Yeah. And I don't think I don't know about it being perpetual because I don't know what it would be. Yeah. Perpetual, perpetually. Mm-hmm. But I think it has to it has something to do with the actual name Perpetua. Right. Right. Um, so. I don't know because because we're getting tidbits of her history now mm-hmm. like now that we know that it's an entity mm-hmm. we're getting tidbits of what she has done and mm-hmm. she's basically traveling through time right mm-hmm. because she's blinking through time yeah. from the very start of the Justice League series mm-hmm. so she's blinking through blinking through blinking through and we keep thinking that it's this enigma that's coming through or mm-hmm. is this ideal that's flying through the air this mm-hmm. thing that's going to change history mm-hmm but now that we see that it's we see that it's an actual entity itself we see that it's a person it could be a person because mm-hmm. at the end we see that you know the shape ta- it takes place inside that little box and then you know she has like the outline of her and stuff yeah. like that right and I think she's here with a message right and right. not so much something that I don't think it's an actual energy that changes the world I think it's the message that changes the overall concept of what we come to believe right in this multiverse right right because now that they've shattered the source wall these new concepts and ideas are sort of pouring into this universe Mm -hmm. and this multiverse themselves Mm -hmm. that i feel like what perpetua is coming to say is something that is going to completely change the concept of reality for them right yeah right and that's what i think this is and i think the name perpetua has something to do with that yeah. i just don't know what it is yet yeah well, again like i said like there just hasn't been enough information given to us to really make an opinion just yet um but no certainly all your points make sense like i mean i feel like if there was any direction that they would go that would be it right like maybe perhaps everyone's just chasing an ideal mm-hmm. right maybe everyone's just chasing a message that doesn't necessarily side with good or evil it's just a message right mm-hmm. so uh we'll we'll definitely have to see a lot of prelude issues this week well half of it was half of it was this week for sure yeah um now there is also so this is just something that i didn't do a whole lot of research on mm-hmm. but the the name Perpetua could be based off of Saint Perpetua. Okay. From, it, you know, it's a third century maiden. I think along with Saint Felicity, uh, they're Christian martyrs, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they were, I believe they were they were imprisoned and then eventually executed or something like that, uh, for their Christian beliefs. Right. But it's hard, like. 
it's hard to make that connection now because we don't know exactly who she is. Yeah. But I feel like it could be something because it talks about imprisonment, mm-hmm. right? And it could be something that you eventually get from Perpetua in Justice League yeah. as you start to sort of get layers peeled back about her background. Mm-hmm. But that's just something that's really, I feel like is a little far-fetched for now, mm-hmm. but it could be something that eventually comes to fruition. Yeah, I for sure. I just mentioned it now. That's a good point. You know, yeah. before uh, before we get even more reveals, and if it comes, you know, to be true or not, then we can always refer back. You seem to, to be pretty episode. good on point. You seem to have been uh, pretty on point with uh, with most of your research. So I, I, I don't I mean, know. I wouldn't be surprised if it was right. I'd be. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be surprised. <laughs> okay, so uh, is there anything else you want to throw into Justice League number eight? Um, no I I would actually be more interested in seeing who would actually be able to communicate with her right okay probably the Martian okay but uh, or maybe everybody we'll see but uh, there's going to be that one individual that's going to be able to really really break her out of that shell and, and, and get all the information they need out of her so I'm definitely looking forward to that because that's going to answer a lot of questions for sure okay right I think so. I think so. And I think Mar- the Martian being the only... I think the Martian would be the only one that be able to communicate with her too. Yeah. Yeah. After he... Because of course he's going He's going off planet to meet with the... Um, uh, the Ancient? Mm-hmm. Is the Ancient? Is that what the... Is that what they call her? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. <clears throat> um, but yeah, he's going off planet to, to meet with... Uh, to meet with her and then I think that uh, because the last time they met she was holding back information from him mm-hmm. so the next time he meets with her I, I feel like there's gonna be um, a very big reveal and mm-hmm. that's going to unlock a, a lot of things right so I'm, I'm fairly certain that's probably what's gonna be what the next issue is gonna be about uh, so I'm really looking forward to to the next issue coming up mm-hmm yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to that <laughs> because I, I think that's basically what it comes down to is that yeah. you have to wait until you just gotta give it time. Yeah, yeah, you gotta let these layers get revealed first, mm-hmm. and then you can sort of come to a conclusion. Yeah, that, right? exactly. Okay, so we're going to move on to book number three, Venom number six. Oh, so this caps off <sighs> the the first arc. Yeah, of the Venom series. Uh, it's written by Donny Cates, with art by Ryan Segman on pencil, J.P. Mayer on ink, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Mm-hmm. This book, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, but really well done. Very well, but done. heartbreaking. Yeah, and it's very. It capped off the first arc really well. I think. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of books and a lot of series sort of suffer from when they get to that climatic moment at the end it either becomes a fisticuff or it just doesn't or it becomes anticlimactic mm-hmm. right i think this book does a really good job balancing both of them yeah because they very much still tackles a lot of the character questions that we had yeah as well as giving us this final showdown that i i think is really satisfying to read mm-hmm. yeah Visually satisfying too. It's a huge spectacle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely liked the way that they took down Null. 
Yes. Because it, it it's such a it's such a it's such a, a symbiote send off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if if a symbiote were to die, like that's the way you would kill a symbiote, right? And there's nothing more symbiote than the symbiote god himself. Yes. Right. So, uh, I I definitely like the way they tackled him. Like it wasn't like it wasn't like um like super crazy like tendrils everywhere or whatever. Like I really enjoyed uh the the use of weaponry in this fight, which I know that the last discussion that we had that you weren't so sure about that mm-hmm. but uh i think um i think that it was a it was a, a satisfying battle to read mm-hmm. uh, granted yeah i mean it's a it's a little underwhelming that that's all it took to take him down but um i i think i don't think there's any other way i would have done it other than grabbing the necroblade himself and stabbing him with a necroblade but yeah again like that's that's far-fetched and i don't see a way that they could have acquired the necroblade while fighting null at the same time yes but i mean having said that i know that i said i didn't really want it to become just a big gunfight yeah but having said that the way it was drawn when he was acquiring all the weapons oh yeah and just melding it to himself I that thought was that a, was that was amazing. That was the coolest that's, thing. That's such a symbiote thing to do. Yeah, exactly. And it's very different from Agent Venom. Because yeah. Agent Venom becomes this sleek character just holding the weapons, right? This is very much like he's just absorbing. He becomes the weapon. Yeah. And it's... The way it was drawn, it's just so detailed. He's like... So he basically became like a symbiote version of War Machine. Yes. Which was awesome. I, <laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh, that's sweet, man. <laughs> Yeah, basically, actually, yeah. Yeah. Venom War Machine. Venom War Machine, exactly, yeah. exactly. And <laughs> one thing I do want to really, I want to call out at the beginning, though, and I noticed it right away because it was the panel right after, like, sort of the Voltron of that weapons go on him. Yeah. How, why doesn't he wipe the blood under his nose? Who knows? <laughs> It's just for like three issues now. He's just constantly bleeding yeah. from his nose. And like it's become just like this red beard yeah. that he has. And it's I was just like, Are you are you not bothered by it? Or Eddie? maybe or maybe he's just bleeding so much that there's no point. To to wipe it down? Yeah. But if he's bleeding that much, you'd think he'd be dead. No, if but he's he, bleeding but he that has, much from but his he nose. has the venom symbiote to Yeah, I guess so. To yeah. Keep to, him to alive. turn off the yeah. pain receptors. Exactly. Uh and that's the whole thing. Like he, he had, he was taking so much damage in this issue that the Venom symbiote just couldn't keep up. Yeah. Right. So maybe that that has something to do with it. Maybe. I'm sure it does. Maybe. I just find it interesting that they've essentially drawn it in now as the the red beard. Yeah. That he has. Now. Yeah. It's just constantly there. Yeah. <laughs> He's the red Santa. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Um, so. He goes and fights the dragon. Yeah. Right? The dragon shows up and he fights him. And then to beat him, he basically props his head open and throws like just multiple grenades down his throat. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really well done. And then now Null comes up and they're, you know, they're fighting and stuff like that. And you see Null sort of tearing apart the symbiote from him. Right? Yeah. And I thought that was just really well drawn. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> I don't know. It's just they really, they really ratcheted up the artistic, like the bombasticness of the of the situation yeah. in this issue. Yeah, and I think it's just really well done. I thought it was funny when uh, 
when Noel was just like, no human has ever, no human ever could. He's like, are you a god? And, and he's like, no, but... I mean, being, it's just nice to take you down, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't so much that... It wasn't because Eddie was super strong or anything. I just think Noel was unprepared yeah, wasn't for the te- him, for the yeah. technology of 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 this human era because yes. the last time he fought humans they he had spears yeah <laughs> <laughs> spears and swords right so i don't think he was prepared for the the technology of this time and and he underestimated eddie and i think that's what allowed eddie to take him down mm-hmm. right uh because if he was prepared i don't think this battle would have ended the way it had ended mm-hmm. and it's there's one part in this book that I'm just it's so so well done the part where he finally pulls the symbiote off of Eddie yeah and then he says your symbiote is mine and then he's like this is not a symbiote it's a coffin yeah and then he proceeds to he had all that grenades just sort of lined up in there already proceeds yeah. to like just zap him yeah right and I think it's interesting because it's a call to the fact that the symbiotes have never really been like he's always thought of the symbiotes as a way f- as something for him to control but really yeah. the symbiotes is something that has always been something that want to br- that want to keep him held down because yeah. he sort of takes away their ability to have free will yeah right so in this particular case as well the symbiote you know the symbiote on planet Kent- Clintar is basically his prison to mm-hmm. try to hold him in. Mm-hmm. In this situation as well, once he pulled back the symbiote, the symbiote became a coffin to hold him down. Yeah. Right? And I think he doesn't understand, I don't think Null understands that these symbiotes all have the desire to become free for themselves, to become yeah. free entities. They're no longer for him. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I think he he's finally getting to that realization mm-hmm. at some point in this issue. Mm-hmm. Right? And you see that, yeah. Um, I know we discussed it earlier as well of whether or not they actually defeated Null or they defeated the vessel for Null. Yeah. But when he got zapped in that scene and uh, the panel right underneath it, you also see him get zapped uh, inside Clintar. Mm-hmm. Right? I actually missed that initially. Right. Um, just because like the way that panel looked, I just, my eyes were just on that top part of the panel. Yeah. So... You actually see that he gets zapped on planet Clintar as mm-hmm, well. So I think mm-hmm. anything that does happen to this vessel does seriously damage his his actual form right. in Clintar. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think like when they sort of defeated him here, they they must have dealt a huge setback. Yeah. You know? I mean I think that was the the final blow to severing his connection mm-hmm. uh to his to his vessel, right? Yeah. Uh, though I think he did mention that they he had multiple vessels, though. I think so. So yeah, there is a good chance that Null may return more prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, I doubt it. I, I mean, it, they won't bring him back for a while if that's the case, right? Um, but yeah, that's definitely a huge setback for Null if he's still alive after this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely like to see him return, actually. I would definitely like to see him return a more prepared villain um, and then seeing perhaps how Eddie will deal with this in the future, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and maybe we'll see an appearance from the other symbiotes as well. Uh, that would certainly uh, 
make for an interesting arc. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I think it's it's going to be time for Null to finally show that to finally show all his cards. To right. sort of upfront be like uh, this is not it's not a game anymore. This like, is not, we're not even messing my final form yet. He's going to go into his final form because I do feel like during this battle he's still very much fighting He's still very much fighting Venom, fighting Eddie Brock, fighting yeah. Rex, yeah. sort of in their mm-hmm. playground. Mm-hmm. But I think it's about time that they he needs to sort of unleash everything yeah. and fight in his own terms. Yeah. Right? That will be an interesting fight. Um, so the scene at the end, uh, well, sort of the sequence at the end is basically them shoving uh, Null, though the vessel. Right into the furnace. Right into the furnace, along yeah. with Rex. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it's just... <laughs> just Venom and Eddie Brock holding down the, the door right when that that was such a crazy scene because when Venom had Venom had to exit Eddie Brock's body yeah and it's just Eddie Brock furnace yeah and Eddie Brock's just on fire yeah and I was like how he's never going to be the same yeah right yeah and I thought in that particular moment I feel like uh, because at this point you see Venom entering Venom uh, entering Eddie's body mm-hmm. right to sort of go inside him and and sort and of shut off his pain and shut off all the pain receptors and sort of prepare for the you know the, sort of like the impending doom at the end for mm-hmm. them because Eddie for sure looked like he was going to die yeah um, and it was it was, what was sad to me was when you see Venom's desperate cries for Eddie to stop yeah I was like oh I can't. I can't. It's just Yeah, and he's saying there's so much pain inside you, I can't fix it. It's too much. Yeah. That we can't come back from this. And what was more impressive was Eddie's ability to follow through even though he no longer had the Venom symbiote inside of him. Mm-hmm. He was just a human doing that. Yeah. And that to me was was a powerful moment, right? Um uh, and I think uh at that point, it, it it put Eddie on equal grounds with the Venom symbiote, right? They were, it was it was now at that point that you realize that they were complementing each other rather than simply the symbiote making Eddie Brock stronger, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh, but that that those cries though, those just, cries, and then the symbiote ooh. finally admitting the L word. Uh, he's like, "I love you, Eddie." Oh, like, don't <laughs> and do I was this. like, "No, don't do this, Venom." No, and then uh, just like <laughs> just waterfalls. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't cry. I was close though. I was close. I was close. Waterfalls, but um, but we know now that uh, that the run is going to continue. So oh, for sure, uh, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, it'll be interesting to see their connection now moving forward because it looks like at the end the symbiote had died. Yeah, and then just sort of expelling from Eddie's body. Yeah, the symbiote looks like it, it can no longer hold form. It was just done for. Yeah, right. So, not really sure where they're going to go next. We're definitely in for another yeah. dark couple of issues. Yeah, because it's going to be either. I feel like it's going to be Eddie living without, without yes. Venom around. Yeah, uh, for the first little while, and I think that's when Eddie will come to terms with with his personal relationship with Venom and his personal 
physical and emotional vulnerabilities without venom mm-hmm. right um and um those are going to be a, uh, some some dark issues for sure yeah absolutely I and mean, it's and it's going to take, I think, the opposite form of what we see at the beginning of the series as well. Yeah, where Eddie is sort of trying to suppress the voice. Yeah, but now I think he's going to be on the journey to reach, to trying re- to reach out to that voice again. Yeah, and then not being able to find the voice. Yeah, right. So I think that's going to be just sort of the opposite emotional spectrum that he's going to go to because yeah. he has always wanted to hold it down, mm-hmm. but now he's. He's he understands and he wants to look for that voice. Yeah, and especially that panel right before, um, sort of that second last page where he's like, "I can't hear you. Where are you?" Yeah, where he's he's actively searching out for the symbiote. He's searching yeah. out for his other. Yeah, and I think it's that's that's where I think the path was going to lead after this first arc is sort of this this new self discovery that he has to go down. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be. Uh, him searching for the voice while basically dying at the same time because Eddie that I mean the symbiote was the only thing keeping his cancer at bay yes right so yeah. it's gonna be oh I'm just picturing <laughs> it now it's gonna be real sad <laughs> <laughs> but it, it has been a good run so far oh yeah absolutely yeah absolutely it's it was all in my feelings <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's it's cool because at the beginning you you get the idea that yes this is going to be something bigger than what Venom has been. It's going to be something that really builds on the Venom mythos, right? Right, right. But ultimately, at the end, you're still getting a story about Eddie Brock and his symbiote. Yes. Right? About Eddie Brock and Venom. Mm -hmm. And it's that relationship between them that makes them who they are. Like, Venom can't exist without either Eddie Brock or the symbiote. Yeah. So, ultimately, it's it's not so much about this is God coming and then it's going to, they're going to fight off the God and they're going to do this and that. Yeah. To me, that's kind of secondary. Like Mm -hmm. they're fighting off this villain. Yeah. But what's really at stake here is Eddie's own connection to his symbiote to to complete himself as a character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Eddie Brock will return in the Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. Imagine that half the population wiped, but Venom's not one of them. And that's how he makes his Comeback. Marvel Cinematic debut. Well, he goes and tries to fight Thanos. He's 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 gonna make his Marvel Cinematic debut, just not. But that's in... if they have his rights. I don't know if they have his rights yet. They they got it for Spider Man. I don't think they have it for for Venom. But if, but was Venom not a property of Spider Man? I think they're treated as separate characters. Really? Now. I think I don't know. I could be wrong. I will figure it out. Yeah. I, I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so any last words you want to chime in for Venom? Just don't make it too sad, Donnie. <laughs> Just don't make it too sad moving forward. I don't think I can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't think I can handle too much sadness. Well, especially because we're, we're having so much sadness in the other books as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the last book that we're going to talk about today and it's Batman Damn number one this is actually the first series to come out in the DC Black Label imprint line mm-hmm. where it's meant to be something where creators can tell sort of elseworld stories or yeah. just like alternate stories and stuff like that Yeah, and it's something that's aimed to be for mature readers aimed to be just a little bit darker and you know darker than what DC already is right now and 
it's it's meant to be more driven on storytelling. This is like uh, Batman Damned is that idea turned up to a hundred. Yeah, this is like the 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 fine cigars of DC. The fine, yeah, <laughs> the fine cigars, the fine bitter cigars. <laughs> <laughs> so, Batman Damned number one is written by Brian Azzarello. And I see Victor here threw himself on there as a credit. <laughs> what, guy, what do you mean? This guy going into my notes. <laughs> and I almost read it out loud. It's written by Brian Azzarello and Victor Young. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That definitely wasn't me. Uh, with art by Lieber Miho and letters by Jerry K. Fletcher. And Victor Young. <laughs> <laughs> so this book, my goodness. Uh, I will preface it by saying, this is a really heavy book. There's a lot to unpack. There, for there sure. is a lot to unpack. Yeah. Uh, th- you know, also that this book is magazine sized and it is 54 pages, I believe. Yes. 50 some pages. So we're going to be talking about this book sort of on a base level here. We're going to discuss sort of what we think the direction of the book will be going. And we'll be talking about the artwork of the book. We'll be talking about some of the basic stuff that they're covering. But. When the miniseries is done, which is a three-issue miniseries, we're going to do a separate episode yeah, you covering have, the th- whole th- thing. That would make a good bonus episode. I think so. You know what? Yeah, yeah look forward to that, ladies and gentlemen, as, as a bonus episode. Yeah, look forward to that, you know, five months from now. <laughs> this is a bi-monthly book. <laughs> so, so it's going to be a while before they finish the series. So, by, bi-monthly, we mean it comes out twice a month. No, it's bi-weekly. Twice a month. Bi-weekly is every Bi- other week. Isn't bi-weekly when it comes out twice a week? No, no. Bi-weekly is every other week. Bi-monthly is every other month. Hmm. Yeah. I uh... I think if you're semi, semi-weekly, semi will be twice a week. That's why if someone says yes. something about semi-annually. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That, okay. See, I, I had the terms mixed up. I yeah. apologize. I apologize. So uh, I know this is I, coming out every other month. I clearly have had not... I've had uh, not enough coffee, so <laughs> yeah. Clearly, if you don't mind, I'm going to. Uh, yeah, we brought the top up up. So uh, I mean, the top up is only ever for me. So yeah, it's not. Yeah, not really for me. Victor here enjoys his caffeine. So do I ever? <laughs> <laughs> you hear the pouring in the <laughs> So Batman Dam number one. Uh, so as we're saying, you know, look for that bonus episode. We're going to be covering all of it up at the end. To, to do is sort of a summation of the story because I do think a lot of the themes that that you can sort of see come to to sort of be planted in the first issue is going to become a much more a much more important thing to talk about later on yeah because right now it's just sort of planting the seeds right yeah so, it's yeah. It, there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of imagery and um, and symbolism mm-hmm. that that they're using within this storyline uh which we definitely won't have enough time to get through i mean just on this one issue alone right so yeah like i said i think this is going to make a a great bonus episode for sure Uh, but uh but we'll we'll start unpacking what we can on i guess on the surface level for now yeah right so uh you know let's switch things up a bit what were your initial thoughts on this issue jerry my initial thoughts yeah I think, well, first of all, the book is beautiful. Oh, yeah. The book is beautiful. Oh, I'm just going to put that out there first real quick. Lee is such 
a talented artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually got a chance to meet him at the Fan Expo, and there was a DC panel there between him, uh, Yannick Paquette, and Jock, and the three of them all did their take on the Joker. They yeah, all, they all drew the Joker, and my goodness. All three are great. All three are fantastic. But the way Lee describes his process is that he he draws. He tends to draw the shading. He tends to work with the negative space and he works with the shading to form the outline of the shapes that he's trying to build. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't draw the shape. Like for example, if he if he's trying to draw the nose of someone, mm-hmm. he doesn't draw the outline of the nose. He shades around the nose. Mm-hmm. And then have the and middle part fills in the details afterwards. Yeah, so I have the middle part sort of form the shape of the nose, right? And then fills in the little details with you know small specks of shadowing. Mm-hmm. So it's a very unique way of drawing. It's a very unique way of tackling how to draw certain shapes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. for the most part, you draw based on what you know. Yeah. But by shading it this way, you're basically shading it based on shapes. You're not shading it based on a nose or eyes or something yeah. like that. You're shading it based on shapes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's a very unique way of, of drawing. And I think it shows really well in in this issue. And yeah. he, he has always shown that he's he's got the amazing ability to draw. Yeah. I mean even I mean even the coloring too, from from top yeah. top to bottom left to right. Like this was a beautiful, beautiful issue. Mm-hmm. Like aside from the story I think this issue is just a, a visual masterpiece yes right um, not something like that level of detail visually like you don't see from comics very often mm-hmm. right which is I'm assuming why this is a, a bi-monthly issue right just because like it'll take them a little bit longer to it'll take a little longer and just the amount of resources it would take for them to even <laughs> release this, even monthly would just be yeah, I think a little too much, but yeah. um, no, uh, I think the uh, the most impressive thing for me this issue was the the artwork. Yeah, for sure, for, for sure. sure, absolutely. And reading this, you you can already kind of get sort of a sense of what you think this book is going to be about. It's it's very much, I think it's going to be very much talking about faith. Yeah, right and. The faith of what you yourself believe and the mm-hmm. faith of what others believe when yeah. they see you yeah. or when they see an event, mm-hmm. right? Because we do get sort of hints here that are talking about, you know, the true duties of an angel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they, at the end, you know, with the symbol for the Joker, that is the Joker truly dead? Mm-hmm. Because just because you see the Joker dead doesn't mean the idea of Joker is, is, gone. is dead, right? Yeah. Or is gone. So I think it's the idea of if what is it that you believe in? Do you believe with what you see or do you believe in what it's displayed? Or mm-hmm. do you believe in your heart that the idea is what you're, you really need to see? Yeah. Right? Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see where they take that idea now that even though they show the Joker being dead and they're trying to figure out who did it, mm-hmm. but... <clears throat> It's whether or not they find who did it, I don't think it's truly what's going to be important in this series. I think what's going to be important is the fact that the idea is something that 
the idea is what you need to kill. Yeah. Right? The idea is what you need to put down and not so much the person carrying out the idea because they're really just henchmen to the idea. Yeah. Right? So in this first issue, they're already planting that seed mm-hmm. and they're already sort of peeling back the curtain on it, especially with the reveal at the end. Yeah. But moving forward, it'll be it'll be interesting to see and it's it is so unfortunate that this is bi-monthly because I really want to see what happens next yeah but moving forward it'll be interesting to see where they take that idea yeah where they take that concept mm-hmm. um I really liked how they uh def- uh played up that the horror aspect mm-hmm. uh of yeah, the sure. issue like for especially sure. I, again I know we were talking about this a bit earlier but the the way that they drew Enchantress and the way that they inserted her mm-hmm. uh, throughout the issue that was haunting man yeah. <laughs> that was real haunting I was just like I'm reading it I'm just like because you know they have her like appearing in like corners of the door mm-hmm. they have her appearing like in the corners of rooms I'm just like she is like the grudge times a hundred times a hundred just <laughs> When he was on that thing, what was it called? The spinny thing in the um, in the playground. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then that, when they were in the playground, um, and he's asking, like, hey, mom and dad, look at me. And then he looks into the forest, and she's right there. And it's just, she's like... She just pulled a slender man, bro. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like, I, your secret, Bruce. And yeah. I was like, oh... It's like, well, take it easy there, Slender Man. Like, holy smokes. <laughs> I read that. I was like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Yeah. That panel itself. And I, I would just, I really want to see Lee draw and tackle, like, just a pure horror book. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, It'll be the stuff of nightmares. Uh, what would have been a, a, a good story for him to tackle uh, was, um, oh, I'm trying to think of it now. Imagine if imagine if he drew Gideon Falls. Yeah. No, but I think I mean I was trying to think of another issue that, that some sort of horror. Yeah. Based. That we that we I'm not sure if we covered it or not. Yeah. But, but truthfully, a lot of the books it's I feel like when we when we read those books, like uh for Gideon Falls or like Witches, for example, that yeah. uh, Scott Snyder and Jock does they bring their own style to it that I think fits that perfectly well. Right. I truly don't know how Lee could tackle Gideon Falls. I think he would tackle it. He would tackle it fantastically, but yeah. I think Andrea Sorrentino still brings that very unique style oh, well, to it that of course. I think it fits that story better for yeah. me. Because in Gideon Falls, there are scenes where it's not rich in color. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like Sorrentino is able to tackle that very well. Yeah. Whereas here, because there's so much more work on shading, yeah, that it's going to be a little harder for them to tackle it in a black and white sense. Yeah. Right. Um, and I do think like getting him false, if it has to be a black and white book with just hints of red, would work just as fine. Yeah. With Andrea Sorrentino. Yeah. But with with the way shading is done by Lee, I don't know how that's going to turn out. Yeah. What I do want to see him tackle at some point. Swamp Thing oh yeah 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 if he tackles Swamp Thing I think that is going to be just an absolute horror like show. any of the any of the Dark Justice League members I think yeah would yeah. would uh, 
be done really well that or way. Or just have him do an Enchantress book. Enchantress, Swamp Thing, uh, Dead Man, yeah. Constantine. Uh, if he just did Justice League Dark. Even, yeah, even, yeah. even, even Satana. Like, mm-hmm. those would be really good characters uh, to be done that way. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be it'll be cool to see him tackle something or have him just. Well, he did a Joker story before, so yeah, yeah, that that was really well done. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but in this book, where were we before we like sidetracked? Ooh, talking about Enchantress, the way he draws Enchantress. Yes, yes. yes. So there is that horror aspect to this book as well. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's refreshing. Because you you don't often link that to a Batman story. Yeah. I mean, Batman stories are they're dark, but they're not. They don't have that horror aspect no. to it. Yeah, right. It's still it's still a, a a superhero book. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I think this is sort of removing itself from the superhero aspect of it. It's very much talking about Bruce Wayne as a person. Yeah. You know, just a person in the night. Yeah. Right. And you get the reveal at the beginning that the um, the constant narration throughout the book yeah. is actually done by John Constantine. Yeah. And right away he tells you, he's like, I'm an unreliable narrator. He's and like, I'm going to narrate this entire thing. Yeah. So you already don't know what to believe anymore. And I think right. that plays on the theme of belief. Mm-hmm. Right? And a lot of the stuff that we see that's happening in this book, even the reveal at the end... Maybe with uh, the, the Joker being dragged out of the river, with the reveal at the end, with the joke, Joker-fied person that was like, you know, just nailed onto a cross. Yeah. All of that could be true. All of that could be false. Because you already don't know if you can trust what John Constantine is saying. Right. Right? And ultimately, is this just Constantine messing with Batman? Mm-hmm. Or is someone else messing with Batman? And Constantine yeah. is trying to piece it together. Yeah. Right? It's either Constantine just saying all this stuff or he's trying to piece it together himself and we're sort of seeing his thought process, mm-hmm. right? And I think it, I mean, it obviously when we get to issue two and three, that's like when all that stuff's going to get revealed. But I think as of right now, it does feel like that Constantine is trying to piece it together himself. himself yeah. And we're sort of going along that journey with him. Yeah, because he does go off on tangents too. Yeah, as he as he's narrating the, the story, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it, it does play into to that uncertainty factor, mm-hmm. uh, because you already know in the beginning you can't trust him. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, right from the get go. Yeah, yeah. So, what what do you make of the characters that are showing up in here? So for like Dead Man, Satana, and stuff like that. I don't feel like they're necessary. No? No. Um, <laughs> because they're there and they are playing a small part in trying to help resolve the, the mystery that's happening. Um, But I feel like that could be done without them. Like, I feel like if it was... Like, I feel like they're there just because Constantine is there. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and of course... You know, wherever Constantine is, the Justice League Dark is not too far behind, right? Because mm-hmm. that's that's his crew, right? Yeah. Um, but I feel like if it was just Constantine, we would be fine. We would be fine. Uh, so I don't have any 
negative or positive opinions about the characters as they show up to me they're just there right mm-hmm. uh but i don't know i mean you may have a different opinion on it i i also feel like they weren't they weren't absolutely necessary yeah. i don't think but i think they they serve a very specific purpose to the tale that constantine is trying to weave yeah right um and i think they play into the aspect of whether or not those are things that batman can believe right right because he's seeing it he's seeing a lot of these things happen but he doesn't know what to make of it mm-hmm. so I, I do feel that they they're necessary in the sense that i think in the long run they play a very specific role in what constantine is saying right right now you just it's you can't see it yeah right um and you see dead men here being sort of a device where he's jumping into different citizens and jumping into different like he even jumped into a dog at some point yeah and he's he's telling he's talking to batman that way mm-hmm. right but at the same time can batman believe that this is dead man's doing or if it's the citizens have gone insane mm-hmm. right and it's it's a really i think it's a really interesting way to to do it because you're also confused with Batman like why are these guys telling me these things mm-hmm. you know so that'll be a mystery reveal later on I think right yeah though I think that's to me I believe it's Deadman so <laughs> well, <laughs> well no no because you yeah. see it happen yeah because right? we see it happen exactly yeah. so so I don't think there'll be any sort of directions in, in that sort of sense like they're not going to take that anywhere but uh, again, well, like you said, we'll have to see how their specific role plays out. Yeah, because I just, I just don't see the point of it right now. <laughs> yeah, and like, and the reason why I'm like, obviously, you see like dead men jumping from character to character, right? Mm-hmm. So the re- the only reason why I call into question pretty much anything that's happening in these books now is because, because it's Constantine, Constantine yeah. saying it. Yeah, right. It's Constantine saying dead men's jumping from body to body. Yeah. But are they really? Yeah. Right? So that's, I think that even though visually you see it, right? yeah. you see dead men jumping around and stuff and it's talking to Batman that way, right? But is it absolutely what's happening in that moment? Yeah. Right? And anything I think in this book can be called it. Can be said. Yeah. You can exactly. you interpret it that way. Exactly. Yeah. And this whole thing has been about just the idea of belief. Yeah. And what is it that you believe in? Yeah. And I think that's that's why it's played out this way like what if Constantine just threw in Enchantress for fun and yeah. it wasn't even actually happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe and uh, like Batman it looks like Batman is scared but maybe he's just having some really bad case of diarrhea and then <laughs> and then John and then and Constantine just is just throwing in Enchantress just to make that particular situation more interesting yeah like you never know right like it's <laughs> could go either way so I think at the end in that scene, I know earlier I mentioned it that it was somebody nailed to the cross, Jokerified. Yeah. But I think it's just I actually think it's the 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 statue of it. Like I actually think it's Jesus. Yeah. And someone Jokerified it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not actually like another person being nailed onto a cross. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the, it's Jesus. Yeah, I got that sense too. Yeah, I definitely yeah. got that sense too. Yeah. Um. I also don't believe Joker is actually dead because that I think that takes away 
the fun and mystery, also the horror aspect mm-hmm. of, of, of the issues as well. Uh, because if he's actually dead, then all Batman's doing is just chasing around an idea, mm-hmm. right? Just like you said earlier, right? It is just because the person's gone doesn't mean the idea of him is gone, mm-hmm. right? Uh, very similar to uh, what they did uh, back in the old uh, <clears throat> Teen Titans TV show when uh, when they killed uh, uh, Deathstroke, but Robin was still chasing the idea of Deathstroke, and it and it affected him mentally on it on it on his day to day life. He saw Deathstroke everywhere he went, and it made him believe that he was still alive. Mm-hmm. Right, so I think that they're perhaps maybe just doing something similar in that sense uh but obviously in a in a more darker more horrific setting yeah right of course um so that would be interesting if that was the way to decide to play it out yeah right i'm actually the opposite from you though yeah i actually think joker is dead right and he's chasing a ghost and he's chasing an idea yeah and i actually prefer him to chase an idea because i do i do believe ideas don't die and yeah. I think what makes a lot of these characters, especially the villains, interesting mm-hmm. is that they stand for their own ideals. Mm-hmm. And those ideals will never die. Right. And it's whether or not the heroes decide to stop the person, mm-hmm. they don't they can never stop the idea. Right. Right. The idea that there needs to be chaos to balance out the justice that Batman is doling out. I, I don't think that's ever going to come to an end. The mm-hmm. idea that humanity doesn't need an alien to be their savior right. that a humanity can stand up on their own mm-hmm. I don't think that idea will never die either mm-hmm. so even if Luther goes someone else will be carrying out the torch mm-hmm. because that idea will always stand yeah. so to me I find storytelling especially with with these types of books like with black label type books mm-hmm. they're very much not. it's not very much going to be I'm chasing down a bad guy mm-hmm. it's I'm going I need to co- bring into question whether or not these ideals are meant to ring true Right. Yeah. So I'm 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 on the opposite from me. I think Joker actually got pulled out of River dead. Right. Yeah. And I think that would be really cool. Mm. In that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that'd be cool too. But I I think we're we're both on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how this issue is going to play out. I think so. Yeah. But eventually, I think we'll meet right back. We'll meet right back. Yeah. Exactly. Because as obviously as more issues come out, the details become more specific, Mm -hmm. and then we're we're left with no choice but to be drawn to the same conclusion at some point exactly right? as yeah. we always do i mean usually in the beginning where we differ pretty we differ a lot in our opinions yeah with with books as they first come out and then they we we always sort of meet in the middle and and get drawn to the same conclusion as exactly it, as yeah. it comes to the end as it should right yeah uh, obviously like as a book ends we're not gonna go well i still don't think that happened <laughs> right so <laughs> Venom didn't stand in front of a furnace. Yeah, he, talking didn't, about? he didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, a- any final words you want to put into uh, Batman Dan? I know that. Yeah, we're, we're running a little bit late on the segment. We're running a little long on the segment itself. Just and, a little uh, long. And we're <laughs> and we're going to be breaking these down in, in way more detail in that bonus episode, anyways. So yeah, yeah. Anything you want to add in? Uh, no. Uh, I, I think we pretty much covered what we needed to cover. Yeah. Um. If I talk about it anymore, it's just gonna drag on. So, <laughs> <laughs> it being a bi-monthly issue, what do you what do you feel about bi-monthly books? Um, they 
it's okay, granted, that you give people enough material to to dwell on in between issues. Yes. Right? Like, it would never work for Justice League. Yeah. Right? Like, for this particular one, say, for example, they wanted to take, like, a two-month break, say, for example, people will just forget about it. Yeah. Right? Uh, However, in a story like, um, like Damned, there's enough imagery, there's enough symbolism, and there's enough uh, layers to unpack where you can you can think about it for the next two months and and be okay when when the next issue comes out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. So in terms of what I think about, it, I think it's fine, right? I I think books coming out bi monthly is fine as long as. Like I said, there's there's enough material for the reader to to dwell on uh, in the time being, mm-hmm. right? And I'm assuming you probably pretty think much the same, same way. Yeah, as pretty well, much right? the same. So, yeah. So okay, we're going to wrap up the comic segment, and we're going to move on to our offerings to dark side. Except segment. we got to talk about the coffee first. Oh right. man, come on, man, come on, man! What is wrong with me today? I'm you just missing cues. You just didn't drink enough coffee today is, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> Let's talk about the coffee. Um What'd you think? Um it's it's got it's it's got that soybean flavor for me again. Like that fermented soybean flavor. I'm actually getting that this week too. A little bit. Like there is a bit of um like subtle sweet sourness to it. That I believe is close to a cranberry. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's really all I'm getting. Like soybean and cranberry. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I'm getting a little bit. I'm getting a little bit of. And, and, and it's what I think this will taste like. I'm getting a little bit of pumpkin. Okay. A little bit. Just in time for the fall. Yeah. Just in time for... Pumpkin, cranberry. Ooh. Huh? That's that's a fall flavor right there. Yeah. Now, <laughs> normally I don't... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> normally I don't drink pumpkin. Yeah. Um, well, no, of course. No, you, normally anything. you eat pumpkin. No, no. I mean, like, <laughs> pumpkin, spice, latte, anything, you know? Normally I'm not into that, but... So I, I don't... I'm not fully versed on the flavor of pumpkin. Yeah. But I feel like this is what it is. Okay. Yeah. So so I could be wrong too, but so we'll go with pumpkin, cranberry, and uh, your unreliable guesser, Jerry. E, telling I don't know. This. You've been pretty. You've been pretty good the past couple of weeks. Better than me for sure. I, I guess. I don't know. Let's just do the review. Right. <laughs> Let's just do. The so review. what are we going with? Hold on. What are we going with? Pumpkin. Uh, pumpkin. Cranberry. Cranberry. Is there a third one? Let's. let's, uh, let's I feel like there's a little bit of a. Uh, I almost want to say banana, but I'm not getting the aftertaste, which is why I hesitated on it. Yeah. Banana, eh? Yeah. Hmm. But usually you get a banana aftertaste, like there's a, a little lingering. A banana, a banana is a very distinct flavor. Yeah. Like you can't mistake it. Yeah. Um, so, you, I mean. So I probably mistaken it. Yeah, because then yeah. it's just like you would know right away. Yeah. But you know what? Let's let's do. Okay, we'll say banana. 
You know what? No, let's keep it to cranberry and pumpkin and pumpkin, and they keep the third one as a surprise. Yeah, we'll, we'll just surprise ourselves. Okay, what do we got? Passion fruit, chocolate, papaya. Papaya, mm. I can taste now. Okay, yeah, papaya, you know I can taste now. Now that they've mentioned it, because it has that same, it has that same kind of sweetness that banana does. Papaya. Right. Okay. Right. It has the same kind of sweetness, and I was definitely getting like that fresh, that fresh fruity taste, but it's so 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 subtle. Mm-hmm. Right. That passion fruit provides. Yeah. I um, I still can't really feel the the passion fruit in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but chocolate. Mm. Normally we get chocolate. Normally we get chocolate right away. But yeah, I I, I didn't get it in here. I think. I think chocolate could be synonymous with that uh, with that soybean flavor. Now that I think about it, yeah, because like you like fermented soybean, if you if you just make it a tiny bit sweeter, I feel like it's it gets very, you that cocoa. very similar to cocoa exactly. Yeah, uh, but uh, over three, uh, not bad. Uh- yeah, you know, over three. We come off the bench, really. We're, we're, the, we're the guys that <laughs> come off the bench. That we are. The, clock's running out. We're way behind, and uh, we just we go out there to have fun. You know, we fulfill the contract. Oh, we go out there to have fun. We are the uh, we are the Jose Calderon of oh my of God. coffee tasters. <laughs> Jose, I'll let you know that Jose Calderon is a solid point guard, and he was one of my favorite players when yeah, he was like, in Toronto. Yeah, like and now 10 years ago. Now he's just bouncing everywhere. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, we're the. <laughs> I don't want to throw any players out. No, because guys. obviously, but if we're you're in really, the league, you're... but we're really the Bruno Caboclo <laughs> of flavor tasting. Wait, hold on. Who's who's Bruno? Who, no, no. Who's that one player on OKC that is just notoriously known to be bad on OKC? Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, guys. If we're like, I don't know any. Long. I don't know anybody beyond Russell Westbrook, Stephen Adams. Like he is just, you know what? Okay, real quick. Sorry, listeners, this is just really bothering me. But uh, I am going be, <laughs> because you know what? Okay. he is. You he look, is, you look it up. I'm going to introduce something real quick. It's something just like a little idea of mine. Okay. okay. So moving forward, let us know if you want us to to sort of do this little segment. It's not really a segment that we're going to add into the weekly podcast per se but it's something that we we do want to cover as well because i think it will be really important to see what's coming next so we've been discussing it and we're talking about doing uh sort of once per month bonus episodes where we break down uh preview books uh it's either we can do it once per month where we break down the books that are in the previews catalog that we think are new series that everybody should be reading or series that we might be adding to our pull list for the show or it's going to be just like big sort of events or stuff like that that's happening in the current books that we're reading that we're excited about it's either we do that or we do it on a weekly basis where we look at what's coming up next week and we sort of say you know be prepared read these books these are what's going to be discussed next week um we might end up doing both i don't know but right now we might just do one or the other let us know what you think send us an email contact at darkrosecomics.com let us know what you th- what you would prefer um because i know that when when previous book come out it's this really thick big book that it, it takes a while to get through and it sometimes can be a little daunting um to, to know what to add to your pull list so if that's something you're interested in definitely let us know 
And uh, maybe that's something that we can do moving forward. We might just do the previous book one as well, but let us know what you prefer. He's so bad that I don't even think he's on the roster anymore. Like I think they, guy? I think they just let him go, and then nobody knew they got let go. <laughs> Hold on, but I know, I know for a fact. So we're that guy of Kyle Kyle Singler. Oh yeah. <laughs> we can't be Kyle Singler. There's we no we way. cannot we be cannot the Kyle, be Kyle Singler of coffee tasting. Oh uh, my goodness. So I, you know, let's go with Jose Calderon. At least we'll hit a shot every once. Yeah, every right once now. in a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Yeah. Jose's a good guy. <laughs> okay, now we move on. To offerings to dark side. Offerings to dark side. <laughs> and we're at the offerings to dark side segment. And in this segment, what we do is we take something outside of the world of comics, outside of the world of coffee. And it's something that we enjoy and we want to pass it on to you, our listeners. It's something that we hope you will enjoy as well. So this week, Victor, what do you got for us? So this week, Jerry. Yes. I've got a show on BBC called Bodyguard. Okay. All right. Uh, so I'm actually going to read the uh, the official synopsis? Sy- synopsis because it's better than anything I could ever say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you have, have a little faith in yourself. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Set in and around the corridors of power, Bodyguard tells the fictional story of David Budd, a heroic but volatile war veteran now working as a specialist protection officer for the Royalty and Specialist Protection Branch of London's Metropolitan Police Service. When he is assigned to protect the ambitious and powerful Home Secretary Julian Montague, whose politics stand for everything he despises, Bud finds himself torn between his duty and his beliefs. Responsible for her safety, is he actually her biggest threat? Uh, So, uh, this TV show actually has uh, a lot of uh, plot twists that are very... Uh, very interesting and it's super super suspenseful this show like there were there are moments where they will just leave you hanging for like a minute and you're just you're just like sweating you're just just like come on (laughs) (laughs) what's happening right now (laughs) so it's really really good um also the the main character david butt is played by uh richard madden who also plays uh rob stark on uh, game of thrones and that's actually what initially drew me to the show because I was like, oh, what's this guy been up to since he died all <laughs> those seasons the, ago? Uh, <laughs> since, spoiler alert, The Red Wedding, in case some of you wanted to wait until the end of the show to watch Oh, it. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, at this point, it's... It's pretty common knowledge. It's pretty common knowledge, yeah. So <laughs> um, I would I would definitely recommend it for people that are, that are into action, mm-hmm. that are into uh, suspense and thrillers. Uh, because this is definitely going to to satisfy all those things. Uh, in fact, actually, come to think of it, it's actually really similar to Jack Ryan. So, <laughs> oh, nice. So now you know I'm I'm into those shows. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you ever do you read like the Tom Clancy books? I do not. No, I do not. But uh, yeah, Jack Ryan is a is a, Tom, a Tom Clancy, Clancy yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, but no, I I haven't read any Tom Clancy books. Uh, I've always meant to. Me too. Uh, because um, he actually has a lot of books that are really, really good, which is obviously why all these games and TV shows are based on his characters, right? It's just a matter of finding time to read them. I mean, that's that's a whole thing. Right? Yeah, for sure, um, for sure. But I mean, honestly, if I really because they're meaty books, right? So. They're, they're very meaty. They're big books. Yeah. 
and uh but no i'll definitely now that you mentioned i definitely want to find some time to to give it a try give it a try yeah yeah for sure sure. uh so again that the show is uh called bodyguard and it and it's on bbc uh, so definitely check it out if uh, if you have the opportunity to because you definitely will not be disappointed. Nice. All right. What about you, Jerry? What you got for us this week? So this week, I bring to you MTG Arena. Really? Matching together <laughs> arena. Now, there's a very specific purpose why I do it now. Is it because you're one for one? <laughs> no, I'm one for I'm one and zero. Oh. oh yeah. That's no, right. <laughs> no, no I, I bring this to you now because if you've always been interested in trying out magic. Uh, but you don't want to get into like the paper investment of it or if you didn't want to play Magic Online because you also have to pay an investment into it. MTG Arena is sort of a a simplified version of Magic in the sense that it's it's created very much in the sense that you will that it's representative of what Hearthstone can give you. Right. So it's built in that similar fashion that the artistic style and everything and stuff like that. Um, the cards itself, once you lay it down, they they hide the card details and it just becomes like a little little chess piece type of thing mm-hmm. or a little, you know, icon. And uh, you're playing it, although you're still going by official magic rules, but it is very much more streamlined. Um, and all the triggers, they, they show you and stuff like that, so you don't really miss anything. Yeah. In Magic Online... It's been in closed beta for a long time. Yeah. And now it's coming to open beta. So by the time this episode airs on Tuesday, uh, on Thursday is when the game is going to come out on open beta. Right. So Thursday, September 27th, you'll be able to go on to uh, Magic Arena, Magic the Gathering Arena, and you'll be able to download the client. You'll be able to play it. It's open beta. Everybody can try it out. Yeah. Which is why I'm offering it as something this week because... Mm -hmm. I know that not everybody can get access to the closed beta, right? So it'll be a good time to try it out if you wanted to try out Magic. Yeah. And this could sort of be like a little gateway thing to getting people to play Paper Magic and go into like your You're, little, you're going to be the reason for like a that. lot of people's financial ruins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> what I like about uh, MTG Arena is it doesn't allow for uh, misplays in regards to the rules. Right, right. Because it, the 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 game will follow the sequences. Yes. Right. Uh, I mean, if you misplay a card and you and you played at the wrong time, that's still on you. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, in terms of the rules and the sequencing, I think of it, when you can play and when you can play it, I think it it's pretty. I think it's pretty consistent with the rules. So uh, it's a great way to learn. Mm-hmm. Right, because then you'll figure out when you can do things and when you can't do things, and the reasons why. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, uh, no, that's a that's actually a really good suggestion. I actually haven't had a chance to play MTG Arena yet, even though me and you have been playing the physical game for years now together. Yeah, we've been so, playing the paper game for a long time. Um, I think uh, this would be a good opportunity for you know for you know the listeners and for myself to to get into Arena and for me to ruin your one uh, zero streak. Well, the accounts get wiped right prior to open beta. So. Oh, perfect! So you first, might... I gotta find somebody to beat to go back to one and zero. Yeah, and then we can play. And then we can play. <laughs> <laughs> then we can play. Yeah. <laughs> so, listeners, if anyone here wants to try out Arena, uh, definitely let me know, and then maybe we can even get online and, and play a few matches. Um, don't let this guy win. Well, well, no, come on. No, don't I'm trying to get to one and zero here. Don't let him win. Okay. Well, it also depends on what kind of what kind of cards you pull. I was lucky when I was playing the closed beta in one of the packs I pulled Kumena, the yeah. the mythic Merfolk. Yeah. So I was able to 
I just built an entire you, Merfolk deck out of it, and you, I was like, "You're going to get into crazy. your first game with someone. They're going to have Power Nine <laughs> in standard in format. Standard format. Somehow, somehow, some guy just hacks the system, puts the Power Nine in. I imagine that they will allow for more than just the standard format. Oh, they have to because yeah. standards rotating. It's pretty next soon. week. Yeah, it's yeah, rotating yeah. when uh, when Guilds of Radivica comes out. Yeah, so it's, that set yeah. looks really good. Oh yeah. Yeah, we already we went to pre-order it the other yeah. day, and uh, it seems fun. Yeah. But uh, I I unfortunately no longer am financially invested into the game, so <laughs> uh, we only get it when like we'll get like the pre-release pack, and then we'll yeah. get like a bundle, yeah, so that we can put all the cards in there, yeah. But in terms of like really going hard into the game, yeah, we, we don't really do that much now too because we play a lot of commander, right? Yeah, so not so much standard. Yeah, but MTG Arena will be a good way for you to sort of dip your toe back into standard again, yeah. and. Sort of like now the, the question is how does arena affect um mtg online in the future because right now they don't really compete yeah uh but if arena somehow becomes more free to play friendly that may be the downfall of online yeah but i think at the same time i just don't think arena will ever get to a point where they could catch up to magic online in a sense of card pool right Magic I mean, Online, they could. it's up to them. Yeah, but Magic Online supports up to Legacy, right? Yeah. So I, I just don't think maybe even beyond Legacy, maybe even Vintage. I don't know. Yeah. But I just I don't think it'll get to that point because it is marketed more towards the Hearthstone players, um, where it's just everything is like flashy, fast paced, and stuff like that. Yeah. So I don't think it'll get to that point, and I think they'll be more focused on standard rotations. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how. Maybe they'll create a new standard format too. Right? Yeah. Like a or like a new modern or you know, or frontier or type yeah. of thing where yeah, they yeah, rotate yeah. at Kaladesh. Yeah. But anyways, I digress on magic. So <laughs> go check it out. Magic online. I mean, the, magic Arena. I mean, <laughs> I was just recommending a completely easy. different game here. Yeah, you know. Go check out MTG Arena, uh open beta coming soon. Yeah. Okay, so I believe that wraps up our offerings to dark side segment so we thank you for tuning into this episode we hope you enjoyed it if you like what we do on this podcast please hit that subscribe button in the podcast service provider of your choice we can be found on itunes google play and spotify and also remember to rate and leave us a review if you have some time if you have any questions comments or suggestions about the show about what we've talked about or if you have a book you want us to discuss on the show, please send us an email at contact at darkrosecomics.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics, twitter.com slash geeky for myself, and twitter.com slash victorjyoung for my co-host Victor. You can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics. So on a weekly basis, depending on your poll list, you know, take a picture of this, send it to us, tag us on Instagram, let us know what you're reading. We're very interested to know what everyone's reading, so maybe we can curate our poll list as well to what our listeners, you know, are reading on a weekly basis. And we're going to try to post our weekly post, uh, weekly poll list as well on Instagram. We're going to try to get more on that. We also have a Facebook page going on at facebook.com slash darkrosecomics. And if you want to be a part of the community, you can join our Facebook group at Dark Rose Comics Group. And as always, take care. Bye. Oh, I'm going to do a pun. I was going to say don't do it. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to hold back on the pun. So moving forward, it'll come as a surprise, you know? I see. Okay, bye. Bye.